The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. This is a place for crazy people. Natalie Cheel and Rick Mott. Thank you, listen. TNT. Yeah, the Christ. The place for crazy people. Morning, TN Tears. Welcome to Open Line. Happy Thursday. It's November the 30th, 2023. You've got one more day before you can open your advent calendar. Uh, it's very cold and frosty in Reading today. The cars need uh, de-icing, a proper winter morning, and I'm all wrapped up in a blanket. Uh, don't forget, you can now live stream us and see our faces. So go Go to tntradio.live and uh, go halfway through the page and you can get our live stream and see us all uh, in beautiful HD if you can brave it. Um, what am I talking about this morning? Well, I haven't had breakfast this morning, uh, which isn't like me. And uh, uh, I was uh, running out of time and uh, yesterday I found this. I don't know if anyone can see it. But it's a it, it's a monstrosity, and I don't know how it ended up in my doomsday uh, prepping for COVID. It's a jar of mincemeat, and uh, I will eat tin fruit, I will eat rice pudding, but I draw the line at mincemeat. I hate uh, uh, mince pies. Uh, another part of Christmas I dislike. So that will be taken down the local pub. I'm hoping somebody, somebody will be able to eat the mince meat because it's certainly not me and I wasn't going to have that for breakfast this morning. Um, I'm thinking when the show ends, uh, some toast, some avocado, uh, some poached eggs, some roasted tomatoes. That's what I'm thinking uh, when I finish the show. And uh, staying with the food theme, um, I've got some, uh, Murray's just put, add some ketchup and it will be fine. Even to mince meat, I don't think the uh, uh, ketchup's going to make any difference, Murray, I'm afraid. Yeah, but staying with the food theme, uh, the Daily Mail, always entertaining. Uh, I should say the Daily Fail. They've got uh, lots of good food stories uh, for me to cover. Uh, the first one, uh, Spaniards erupt in fury apparently, as Marks and Spencer start selling chorizo and paella croquetas, which are their version of the traditional uh, potato croquettes. And uh, apparently the British ambassador in Spain has got involved and said it's wrong, uh, cultural appropriation. And uh, somebody said on X, war has been declared for less. Uh, about this particular food item. Well, I'm a bit of a rebel, so I might just go into Marks and Spencer and buy them. But either way, it's a good bit of advertising for them uh, from Marks and Spencer. Maybe they paid for that for that article there. Uh, also, thousands of students at Warwick University uh, are forced to go vegan. Uh, uh, just a small number of activists have managed to get all meat and dairy taken off the canteens. So my answer to that would be for anyone there or if it happens at any other university just boycott the canteen just simply don't turn up vote with your feet if nobody turns up and they don't get any sales they'll have to go back to uh, you know offering full freedom of choice so yeah vote with your feet um i don't think that's right uh everybody should be given the choice of what they want to eat so not great for warwick university but perhaps the most important story of uh the today uh, with the food is Britain are currently voting for their favourite biscuit 
on a poll in Reddit. Now, according to the Daily Fail, it's a debate that will never end and often the subject of heated argument in pubs, apparently. Uh, the main controversy is that the Jaffa cake has been included in the biscuit list. Some are in uproar about this because apparently it's a cake, not a biscuit. The top 11 contenders are um, hobnobs, bourbons, custard creams, digestive, the good old Gary Baldy, Anise, Rich Tea, Malted Milk, Ginger Nut, actually I think it's slightly more than 11, but Pink Wafer, Cadbury's Fingers, Jaffa Cakes and Jammy Dodgers. Well, I do love a biscuit myself and once I tend to eat one, the whole packet tends to magically disappear. So I don't tend to keep many biscuits in my house, but I'm going to have to choose bourbon myself. Um, but let us know what you think in the online comments and uh, we need to take a short break and then uh, Rick and Gemma can tell us what their favourite biscuit will be on the poll here at TNT Radio. There's a lot going on, so it's important to stay informed and up to date. Get ready, because here we go. At the top, 30 minutes past and when it breaks. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Morning, guys. Uh, important subject of the day, obviously. What biscuit are you going to choose? Yeah, I'll let you take this one. Well, do you know, I cannot remember the last time I even ate a biscuit. I really am not a fan of uh, things like that. Uh, when ah. I was a kid... No, I think more outraged at that than anything to do with COVID or <laughs> lockdowns or masks or anything. <laughs> no, no biscuit. When I was a kid, I was like you. I liked the bourbons and you could uh, take the top off, lick the bit, middle bit mm. out of the cream, and then, then you would be slightly disappointed with the dry bits you had left and maybe dunk them in a cup of tea. But you that have was to decades, eat them that way. Decades, decades ago, that yeah. was. But yeah, that was my favourite. Rick? Uh, I, I know you, you're not eating chocolate at the moment, or maybe you've gone back to it, but but, no. but what do we think? A chocolate digestive, maybe? Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. You know, oh, you're not a biscuit fan? No, I um, <laughs> stopped eating them three months ago, so uh, I can't even remember. Oh. Uh, anything that was in front of me, pretty much, except the bourbon cream, I would have taken. I think they're absolutely rancid, but apart from that, I would have taken just about anything. Oh, well, there you go. Well, well, uh, in this, uh, have a look in the online chat, see what everybody else is saying. But Gemma, what have we got today, this morning on our story? Well, we're kind of going from the sublime to the ridiculous, I think, um, because we are going to the COVID inquiry. But I think I sense you might rather stay on possibly biscuits, Natalie. But uh, the COVID inquiry I've been following now for a while, and it, as we all have here on TNT, it's the UK COVID inquiry. And most of it has descended into a farce and, and backstabbing and tittle-tattle from Downing Street. But this week, there have been a few nuggets. And uh, what came out yesterday, I'm finding quite extraordinary. I mean, earlier in the week, we had MP Michael Gove telling the inquiry uh, that, you know, we had to consider the very real possibility that the virus, if you believe in viruses, was man-made. Uh, and the uh, lead counsel from the inquiry said, we, well, we're not going to go there. And I was thinking, why, why aren't you going to go there? That's a bombshell piece of information that you should ask be asking questions about. But the lead counsel kind of slapped him down and said, it's a divisive issue. We won't touch it. But at least it was on the testimony. Yesterday, we had the head of the UK Health Security Agency, a woman who played a huge role during the scandemic, uh, telling the inquiry that uh, there was no real evidence for face masks ever, ever th during the whole thing. Now, do you remember the polarity, the divisiveness, the, the hatred that you got if you if you didn't wear a mask anywhere, not just in supermarkets or other public places? 
Um, so all of these things that are coming out this week, you know, that the virus was man-made. If you'd said that three and a half years ago, you were an absolute tin for hat wearing nutter. If you also said three and a half years ago, there's no evidence for face masks, you were a pariah and a Tim for hat wearing nutter, conspiracy theorist. It's now all coming out. Um, and she's one of the biggest health chiefs in the UK, Professor Dame Jenny Harris. And she says it, the evidence right the way through was completely uncertain for face coverings. She said all it did was give people a false sense of security. And the most important thing uh, she saying was social distancing. That's what she was rather focused on. I wonder how long it will be before what comes out in the inquiry is social distancing didn't really matter either. You know, the whole thing is beginning to fall apart. And I think what we can take from it here at TNT is a huge sense of vindication uh, and looking at the comments that have accompanied some of the press coverage from the public you know, on this story. Um, it really is now that the pendulum has gone completely the other way. Um, if you'd said this three and a half years ago, it would have been 80% of the comments saying, put your mask on, you're so selfish, you're killing people. Now it's 80% of the people commenting, yeah, it was all ridiculous. It was a psyop. We're beginning to see the truth. At least these comments and the things that are coming out this week from this inquiry are beginning to really, really wake people up. Not all people, because obviously we do have mask mandates returning in hospitals in the UK and in Australia. The interesting thing now will be to see how many people go along with it and are still brainwashed and how many people go, nah, absolutely not doing it this time. But to have the head of the UK Health Security Agency admitting to the inquiry that for face masks right the way through, I think is a huge step in the right direction. My only question is, why is she saying it now? Why didn't she say it at the time when she knew? Mm. Yeah, what do we think, Rick? Why, why is she saying it now? Well, they, they, they said they all said it right at the very, very start. Uh, so whenever this whole nonsense started back in February, March of 2020, uh, Chris Whitty, Patrick Valens, Jonathan Van Tam, Matt Hancock, Boris Johnson, they all said face masks are useless. They're ridiculous. Fauci said that they serve no purpose whatsoever. They can't stop any kind of respiratory virus or any kind of infection spreading around. Face masks uh, are used by dentists, for example, to stop uh, blood matter splattering up into their faces or them dripping saliva into a patient's mouth, but or a surgeon in a surgical atmosphere, it's not meant to stop uh, transmission of any infectious diseases. Uh, if you believe in infectious diseases or whether you don't, the, the thing is that even the government said right off the bat that these things were served no purpose whatsoever and that they would never be implemented. And then sometime around about April or May of 2020, then there was a massive U-turn performed by all of them. And then, of course, uh, this face masking madness was pushed relentlessly, not just in the UK, but all across the world that were introduced into nursery schools, into old folks' home. People that couldn't breathe in hospitals were given face masks. Uh, it was just an absolute uh, comedy theatre. So I don't know what happened. What I would be more interested in anything to find out, guys, is what happened, what button was pushed, or why was there a sudden U-turn in their own, uh, you know, their own beliefs in the, the uselessness of masking between March and May of 2020, something happened. And if you look at some of the old compilation videos, and there's plenty of them out there, you can see all the heads of science and all the heads of medicine all agreeing that these things serve no purpose at all. And then literally eight to 10 weeks later, they're all pushing for them relentlessly. So yes, it is nice, uh, Gemma, to hear them finally say that these things were completely useless, which, you know, without banging our own drums here, we'll also, along with everybody else, has been saying that for years now. 
Yeah, um, and Mogden uh, says in the online chat, masks were the most visual sign um, of the compliant or of the virus. And I think that's why they had to change their tune and why they needed it. No one was going to believe this virus existed, something with no symptoms. They needed something visual to show that you had to be scared. And that was the mask, wasn't it? When you went out, you know, everywhere you went, everybody saw you were wearing a mask. Apart from people like me that remain maskless absolutely throughout. I did my smile shop selfies i got banned uh from budgins uh from having an argument i i i remained maskless uh throughout and uh i knew that they were absolutely and completely pointless but one thing also that were is worth pointing out that uh people aren't buying it anymore they've really tried uh at the moment to be pushing that there's a swine food problem that you need to go get your flu shots that you need to go get your covid shots have you seen people wearing mask i mean reading is a busy place in the town center you can barely see anyone anymore nobody is buying this this you know mask works anymore you get the odd people you know you're always going to get your odd person but but i just don't think they're going to be able to sell it again i don't think people believe they work anymore Gemma. Absolutely. And the comments uh, uh, accompanying this article, you know, do reflect that. And it does rather beg the question of the, the inquiry, this toothless inquiry. When you've got her admitting there that there was no evidence ever for the wearing of masks ever, um, the inquiry should have asked the question, well, why did you make everybody do it then? That's exactly the yes. question that, that there's so many questions this inquiry isn't asking, you know, what was the cost benefit analysis of lockdown? What about the PCR test and the misdiagnosis? What about the manipulation of the of the, of the death figures, you know, died with, died after testing positive for? This inquiry has skirted all those questions and, and didn't ask the question yesterday. Just let her give the evidence but didn't ask her why. Well, why did you do it? That's the point of the inquiry, you know, to find out why decisions were made, not, you know, obviously the veracity of the decision, but, you know, why did you do it then? Uh, But no, that question's not asked. We'll just push that away. Like Michael Gove earlier in the week, he's saying, well, we think it could have been man-made. And the council said, no, we're not going there. No, we need to go there. We need to look at all of this. You know, it's just, well, you know, it's a whitewash, this inquiry. We all know that. But, uh, you know, there does need to be accountabilities taken because their people's lives were ruined. You know, I'm I'm quite a ballsy person, so I was prepared to go into a shop and have an argument or get chucked out. There were people um, who couldn't wear masks for medical reasons, uh, a lot of them autistic, who, who even with a lanyard were too scared to go out because they couldn't wear a mask. Um, and uh, they... They weren't prepared uh, to to face uh, that battle. They they were literally locked into their homes. And and what we're just supposed to say? Oh, it's okay. You got it wrong. No, it's not okay. I want accountability taken. I want somebody to hold up their hand and actually say we got it wrong. And somebody has got to take the flak for this. But this mm. COVID inquiry isn't doing that, are they? It's just it's just brushing it under the carpet and saying, oh well, never mind. We'll just we'll just uh, bear this in mind and 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 the next time we might make some changes no sorry it's not good enough if masks didn't work you shouldn't have pushed them and you ruined people's lives uh so you know i want more to be said Gemma. Oh, absolutely. And and you won't be the only one by a long way. But of course, an inquiry at the best of times is never apportioning blame. It's just a kind of fact finding mission. All inquiries are. They're basically like, oh, we'll have a look. Like you rightly say, lessons were learned. I just wonder how many people are still brainwashed. You know, I wonder I wonder if the 80-20, which was at the start, has now flipped and there's 80 percent of us and and 20 percent of 
people who just blindly do what they were told no matter what. Um, I hope that that's the case. I hope that the, the awakening continues apace. She, at least she's admitted it. Maybe she's trying to assuage her conscience. You know, I wonder how many people in positions of authority have now got guilty consciences, if they even have consciences. Mm. I, I do wonder as well if they know that the masks uh, are not popular anymore and that's one thing that they can kind of write off, but they're still going to carry on pushing the vaccines. And I do wonder if we'll hear nothing negative really about the vaccines in the COVID inquiry as it continues. Uh, so one to watch, certainly. Thank you, Gemma, uh, for bringing us that story. We've got to take a quick break and we've got loads more st stories here to cover after at TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. The double standard is out there. It's so obvious. It's so frustrating. Eric Holder gets held in contempt of Congress for defying a congressional subpoena. Nothing happens. Obama's DOJ didn't pursue it. Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro defy a congressional subpoena. Joe Biden's DOJ criminally prosecutes them. Criminally prosecutes them for defying a congressional subpoena. And now we've got congressional subpoenas of Hunter Biden and James Biden, the resident's brother. And guess what? Nothing's going to be done by Merrick Garland, Barack Obama, Joe Biden's DOJ. That's right. I said Barack Obama. Obama's the shadow president. But he's not the one pulling the strings. He wasn't pulling the strings in his own administration. You know, Valerie Jarrett was his minder. Where is the Iranian born Valerie Jarrett these days? Haven't seen or heard much of her. It's because the Democrats are smart. Timothy Shea on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. Well, I want to say this, and I'm going to say it just once. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back. I thought after talking about COVID, we'd move to cancer. Uh, we've got a story uh, from Cancer Research UK, and they say at least 20,000 annual UK cancer deaths could be avoidable. Uh, so they've got a 10-year cancer plan, uh, basically like a, a manifesto that they want to put to the government. Um, 
Uh, and it just seems a little bit strange to me because uh, going from COVID, you know, suddenly we had a COVID vaccine that was available in what, nine months? Suddenly it just appeared out of nowhere. And, you know, all this money that gets put into charities like Cancer Research, right? Where, where do we actually hear any improvements, any new treatments, anything that's happening? Uh, for me, that's something that's never made a lot of sense. And even their manifesto, it's not talking about research into new treatments, in, in, into new ways of fighting it. It just says, you know, more investment, uh, 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 one uh, billion funding gap that they want the government to help them with. Uh, greater disease prevention, we want to banish smoking. Um, uh, early diagnosis through screening, better tests and treatment. Uh, but there's no real talk here of of actually, it, you know, changing things. It's all more pushing things to me, it looks, that are going to be good for big pharma. You know, more screening, well, that helps them, you know, the same old radiotherapy, chemotherapy. Uh, it's not really ever talking about changing your lifestyle. Yeah, they're talking about banishing smoking, but they're not saying actually changing your actual lifestyle, being healthy, everything in moderation, all of those things, they're not being promoted here. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what you think of it, but their they're, they're manifesto, uh, it's kind of at odds at what we saw with, with COVID suddenly having this this uh, massive push for a vaccine that came out of nowhere and no real answer for cancer. Yeah, where, where's the where's the actual concrete uh, figures in this that they're coming out with? You know, at least 20,000 people could be saved here. You know, what is that? Where do you get these figures from? Why don't I make up figures? At least a million people yeah. might possibly be saved in the next five years. I've got absolutely nothing to back up what I've just said. And with a lot of articles that are coming out at the minute from people like this, you know, at least maybe could be, possibly should be, maybe what if, where's the concrete evidence? Where's the concrete figures? And yeah, I mean, it's been a long time. Cancer, to be honest with you, thankfully, isn't something that I've had to deal with uh, in my family thus far. Uh, I had like a skin cancer thing that was cut off the side of my head a few years ago, but it wasn't, uh, didn't need chemotherapy, didn't need radiotherapy. It was one of those malignant melanoma skin cancer type things. So it was cut off pretty easily. But I know people that have went in for chemotherapy, it makes them feel like hell. Some people believe, some people believe that it actually hastens your death and it makes the end of your yeah. life absolutely miserable if you do have cancer. Other people swear by, you know, homeopathy or holistic medicine as an alternative for it. I'll be honest with you, Natalie, I don't really know a whole lot about the treatments for it. But what I do see is that, you know, usually massive surgery followed by radio, radio, you know, radiography or radiotherapy followed by chemotherapy really takes its toll on people. Some people could say, well, it saved my life. Other people could say, well, it hastened my, my family's uh, loved one's deaths or it made my life absolutely miserable. I don't know what to think about this one, but you make a good point about the amount of time, the amount of money that's been pumped into cancer research in particular. And it, it seems to be more people are getting cancer, or at least that's what yeah. we're led to believe than, than ever before. So what's what has all this research accomplished? It, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. For me, it's the corruption of the, the, the charity itself as well. I mean, 
you know, there are people like Kate Shimani who has uh, had a breast cancer diagnosis and uh, she used natural uh, uh, kind of remedies for herself and uh, she's in remission now. Now, they don't, why is cancer research never mentioning those people? Why, you know, all that money that goes, you know, cancer research takes one of the biggest amounts in the whole country and there's been no improvements. Are you telling me with all of that funding, right, they haven't managed to, to work out any improvements in radiotherapy or chemotherapy or any other treatments? It just doesn't seem quite right to me. Um, and, you know, that's why I pointed it out. And as you rightly said, if anything, I would say there are more people getting cancer at the moment. I know some people are saying that is linked possibly to the jab. Um, uh, some of these uh, uh, vaccines, particularly the COVID-19 vaccine, uh, does affect your immune system and that can then lead you more likely to, to possibly get cancer and there's been more turbo cancers recently. They're not mentioning this cancer research, are they? It's just the same old, same old. Go get your chemotherapy, go get your venotherapy, but more importantly, Rick, make sure you give us more money. Keep giving us your money and we won't find any cure is basically what I'm reading from this. Yeah, like I said, uh, you know, uh, there are people that swear by the the treatment for cancer. They say it saved my life. And like I said, I have nothing to personally compare it to because I haven't been through that. None of nobody close to me has ever been through that. Even friends haven't had to deal with it. But you know, if you listen to Kate, for example, she's a nurse. She's got a lot of experience. She had really aggressive cancer, and she swears by her own natural remedies. She's adamant that there was that uh, that re- you know she recovered from it. And you know, who can argue with her? Uh, it's her own personal testimony. Uh, she hasn't went back into remission. So she swears by it. Other people would say, well, I'm not prepared to risk that. Uh, I'm going to do what the doctors tell me to do. It's an odd one. But when you put it all in the balance and you actually start to scratch a little bit deeper and scratch a little bit further down the surface, you know, you have to ask yourself a question after all these millions and billions. And after all these decades, you know, we're now being told that, you know, one in two people might catch cancer during the course of their lives. I think it used to be one in three when I was in the teens. Now, apparently it's one in two. So if it's external stimuli causing this, I don't know. But certainly we don't seem to be making any headroom with it now. What, what I would like to see is cancer research, the tar- charity being scrapped, because I don't think they actually do anything from what I can see, uh, apart from take a lot of money and pay uh, probably their CEOs and executives a lot of money. And uh, a complete new uh, charity for cancer set up, actually doing proper research. Yeah, not just not just backing on funding what Big Pharma are telling them to say, uh, actually into other treatments you know, and, and and all those other things, because really, with all that money going in, we should see some improvements by now after all these years, uh, not the situation be getting worse and worse. So, yeah, let us know your thoughts in the online chat. Um, and uh, we've got to take a quick uh, break for the headlines. And when we come back, we've got stories uh, from Ireland uh, to cover about the DUP and the Green Party here at TNT Radio. We're ready. We're ready. The news is our business, and we never close. Never close. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger has died, passing away at the age of 100 at his home in Connecticut. Five military personnel remain missing at sea, feared dead, after a U.S. Osprey crashed off the coast of Japan on Wednesday. The Palestinian Red Crescent has sounded the alarm over the dire state of the health system in Gaza. 
And Russia says we are unlikely to see a ceasefire in Ukraine for at least another year. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah, welcome back. We've got uh, two stories uh, to, from um, Ireland to cover. The first one from Northern Ireland. Uh, so I'll pass this over to Rick in a bit because he'll know much more about this than me. I didn't even realise this was happening until I had this story. But apparently uh, the DUP have been boycotting, essentially, uh, Parliament. Uh, and uh, I've had a look into it and apparently it's been since February 2022. It's been in, po- uh, in protest against post-Brexit trade. Uh, so they're against the Northern Ireland Protocol. So they basically haven't been going in and doing any work. The Parliament building's just been sitting in there and they're protesting. But of course, there still are massive fees involved. They might not be doing any work, Rick, uh, but they're still paying a lot for that building to be running. So what's your views on it? Should they should well, they stop this boycott or actually go and do some work? Well, you know, it's a very touchy subject, especially uh, politically over here in Northern Ireland. But listen, it's not the first time that this has happened. Uh, Stormit has been laying empty now for, as you rightly say, uh, it shut down in February of 2022. So what's that, 18, 19 months now it's been closed down for effectively? but yet it's still open. So they're spending tens of millions of pounds just running the place, heating the place, uh, paying for staff to be in, manning the place. Some of the MPs still use the offices in there for constituency business. And don't forget these MLAs, uh, elected representatives, are still getting paid uh, to be representing the people in Stormont, but they're not actually doing it. And it's not the first time that has happened. There was a period uh, not so long ago where there was at least, uh, you know, another year or two where there was no politicians actually governing Northern Ireland as the country lurched from one crisis to another. So it's it's a disaster zone over here, not like Northern Ireland politics is an absolute fiasco at the best of times, but never has it been in a more precarious position than it is as per right now. But in terms of public expense as well, you know, the running cost this article is telling us here uh, of tens of millions of pounds for the Stormont Assembly uh, are another example of, uh, as the Irish Times says, of how the DUP's boycott is literally draining resource and energy from everywhere. It has been claimed new figures show staff and energy costs uh, are approximately £30 million since, since the suspension. Uh, this includes almost £1 million in energy costs and three salaries of more than £100,000 for people that work in that building that's not actually being used for purpose. So when this day and age of austerity and uh, you know you know belt tightening and cost of living expenses that's an eye-watering amount to keep a building open for people that don't even bother to show up for work per se and obviously you're having to run the place staff the place keep it open in case they do come back for business but as per now they're not doing you know i mean i don't know much about the subject but my my question would be what is the boycott actually achieving you know, how, how long do you want to, how long do they want to continue doing it? And if and if that's the case, we'll just close the whole building. Stop this £30 million in. They're saying it's the, the electricity, the salaries, the staff. Um, it just keeps adding up. We'll just stop it all. If you're going to boycott it, boycott it properly. So just don't use it. Just don't use the building. Or if you're not prepared to do that, because why should you be spending all that money when that should be going to Northern Ireland citizens? Then go back to work. You know, it, it, choose one or the other. Boycott it properly and shut the building down, or 
or or go back to work. But that's just, I mean, like I said, I mean, that's just coming from someone I don't know a vast amount about the subject, but um, it's more insulting to me about that much money being spent when uh, I'm sure the citizens of Northern Ireland and, and, you know, the hospitals and the schools could really do with that money rather than a dormant building. Yeah, they could. And, you know, it's ultimately the people that are suffering as a result of this. The politicians that have been elected uh, to serve the people aren't suffering. They're still on huge wages. They still get their uh, expenses. They still run their offices in one thing and another. So they're not disadvantaged by this in any way, shape or form. But yet the people are. And of course, budgets are all over the place in Northern Ireland. Uh, you know, finance is in a right old state at the minute. And of course, services are suffering as a result of it, whether it be health services, education services, transport services, infrastructure, you name it, everything is being negatively impacted by this. So there's uh, the word on the street is that there could be a return to storm it sooner rather than later. But even if they do come back, you know, they're not likely to do it before Christmas. Maybe they will. No. But by the time they do come back after the the, uh, the new year, you're pushing upwards in two years uh, that they've effectively derelicted their duties. So, uh, yeah, it's a messy one. Uh, we don't really have time to go into the ins and outs of why as per right now. But let's just say, as usual, it's people on the ground that are affected negatively by this, exactly. not the people sitting uh, that are supposed to be sitting in Stormont. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got another story this time from um, Ireland. Uh, her name keeps coming up, Helen uh, McEntry. Uh, she is pushing uh, for facial recognition uh, for CCTV. Now, the Green Party are now saying, yeah, we, we will. They weren't on board before. They're going to come on and say, yeah, we will agree to it. But... At least I do agree with what the Green Party are saying. Uh, they said there needs to be proper safeguards in place. Uh, as because McEntry, she wants uh, uh, slightly different to what they do. She wants uh, the CCTV to be available, not just uh, for crimes that have been committed. She wants to be able to sort it out for future crimes as well. And uh, the Green Party are saying, yeah, we, we will agree to a standalone bill uh, but for the retrospective use of facial recognition technology. Uh, so basically, uh, we will look back at it after a crime has been committed, but not with the presumed commission of a future crime, which is more like we've talked about before. Uh, she wants it like Minority Report. She wants to be able to go through CCTV and presume that somebody is going to commit a crime and use CCTV to go and arrest them before they've even committed it. Uh Rick. So, yeah, I'm with the Green Party here. You know, I'm not a massive fan of CCTV or facial recognition, but at least they are trying to stand up and say, come on, you know, let's let's at least make this uh, safe and do it for actual crimes that have been committed, not uh, not ones uh, future crimes in, in, in thought crimes or minority report style. Yeah, well, this is coming from Roderick O'Gorman, the so-called children's uh, youth minister, disability equality integration minister for the Green Party. He's another absolute train wreck of a politician. So he's U-turned in this. He, he wasn't for it in any way, shape or form. Now he's he's dipping his toe in the water because he believes it'll score a few political points. Uh, yeah, let's bring this in to help the guards, to help the Irish police, to maybe cut down on crime. But let's make sure that there's safety measures in place as well. And of course, uh, this is talk from politicians. Uh, it sounds good, as you've rightly said. Yeah, sounds logical, sounds good. But then, of course, 
when things do get brought in, uh, all these election manifestos exactly. and all these things that were promised, they're, they're, they're the first things to be thrown out and go out the window. So once it's in, if the legislation comes in, then it's going to be damn near impossible to get rid of it. So all these fluffy promises and guarantees, especially coming from completely untrustworthy saps like Roderick O'Gorman, uh, you have to take it with a pinch of salt. But I agree on paper, at least it sounds like he's saying the right thing. But in reality, will it translate into reality that uh yeah. remains to be seen Natalie. yeah i was gonna say exactly the same thing it does sound good what, what what he's saying you know if you should be able to use cct if someone has committed a, a horrific crime and use that as evidence but as soon as this bill gets passed uh it's almost like he's probably agreed and it'll be a month or so before before the fort police and the minority report and they start saying oh but for our protection we need to add the new level and now we'll be looking for cctv and arresting people before they've even committed a crime because we can see that they that they've been shoplifting before so on that basis alone rick then we'll arrest them because they might shoplift again and uh, which is basically what they want to try and do in Ireland and I mean this is just crazy if you said that that's you know if I told you 10 years ago they were going to try and put this in uh, uh, you know like law in Ireland uh, to try and arrest people before they've even committed a crime you, you'd say it was like a science fiction movie but mm -hmm. this really is true they are trying to put this bill through yeah, and the thing is, too, where are they getting the database from? Um, uh, one of the rationale behind this was that after the rats last week, uh, the so-called Justice Minister Helen McEntee said, OK, we don't want the police to be sifting through thousands of hours of CCTV footage. How much easier would it be if we just simply had facial recognition? We could bip, 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 uh, pick people out of the crowd. We know where they are. We know who they are. We can recognize them. Where are they getting this uh, data harvesting from? And, you know, call me crazy, but all the supermarkets and all the countries across the world and the tills now that are there that are scanning your face and they say that there's uh, they're not going to be used for nefarious purposes maybe just maybe that's building up a huge central database of people's faces so. and people's biometrics and of course we'll be told that this is being sold out or this isn't going to be you know it's secure it's only kept for 30 days or whatnot how do we know how do we know assuredly that this isn't being fed into a huge central database that when there is trouble and what better way to harvest people's uh data than by coming into supermarkets because most of us will use shops or supermarkets at least once a week and when we do go in there and we'll use a till or possibly be uh, caught on the security cameras on the way in through the front door. Can you even imagine the data that they've built up even in the last six months to a year by all these extra facial facial camera technology in supermarkets? Uh, I, I'm not I'm not believing that it's to prevent shoplifting. No, and I've got to wonder. It's not even on the tills. I mean, any big shop now has CCTV, don't they? It's as soon as you enter the shop. So unless you're basically a hermit staying at home, you're going to be in on some type of CCTV already and facial recognition. And I'm sure they've been using a lot of that data, uh, whether we've given them permission or not. Uh, I think that's probably already happening. Uh, so we've got to take a quick uh, break. Uh, we've got more stories to cover uh, when we get back at TNT Radio. So don't go away. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. It's for the greater good. Have you noticed how often you've heard that expression? Mostly every time someone's advocating taking your rights away? The greater good. It connotes the old phrase, the common good, right? We're doing this for the common good. And okay, we're gonna, yes, we're taking some of your income, 
but we're doing it for the common good. Well, that's shifted now to the greater good. Greater for whom? Never seems to be greater for me, or for you, but always seems to be greater for them. And who gets to decide for whom it's greater? Why, well, they do, of course. Be silly to allow you and me to be able to determine what's in the greater good and for whom. This is the insidious underbelly of the totalitarian governmental impulse. And it's not just here in the United States, it's in Ireland, it's in the EU, it's in Australia and New Zealand. China, they don't even have to bother about it. They do what they're told. That's the entire essence of a totalitarian regime. But what's scary is how many democratic regimes want to emulate the totalitarian regimes. For the greater good, I'll take a hard pass. For MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy to follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like know your warning signs so you can act early, Make your environment safe by removing harmful items, activities you can do or people you can be with to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts, reminders of things that make you feel strong. Some of these steps might be tough to fill out, and that's okay. It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, Use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan. You're with Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Yeah, welcome back. The online chat, uh, busy as usual, so get yourself on there and have a look. Just a bloke who asked questions. He said, UK government plans to create facial recognition from database from passport information. There's a link there as well. That sounds uh, about right. Uh, very good way to do it. If most people want to go abroad, they get a passport. You got to put you got to put your photo on there. That's a very good way uh, to build up a database. Uh, we've got another story here. This reminds me a little bit. We talk about South Africa and their load shedding. Well, they say uh, you can get paid for turning off your oven tonight. So households can sign up to this new scheme. It's called Demand Flexibility Service. And uh, But guess what? You have to have a smart meter. Households were told they could receive payments of up to £20 if they didn't use their ovens, washing machines, tumble dryers, dishwashers, games, consoles, or, or decide not to charge their cars during peak hour. And I think it's about five till six o'clock. Uh, so yeah, many people have signed up again to do this uh over the winter uh but apparently uh they didn't get as much money back as they were hoping most only got about three or four pound back after uh sacrificing using their electricity so i'm not sure how well it's gonna go but of course uh we we're not gonna qualify i'm afraid rick because i'm sure you wanted to uh sacrifice sitting in the dark uh for an hour of your life mm. for about 20 quid because we of course don't have a smart meter so i can't see many of our listeners either running out and trying to sign up for demand flexibility service here in the uk 
Well, you know, you said, would I be prepared to do it for 20 quid? Probably for 20 quid, yes, but we're not talking about 20 quid here. Not as you said, it's only three or four pound. So no, I won't be sitting in the dark, freezing my ass off for two or three quid. You know, I'm not expensive. I'm not a, I'm not a high maintenance guy. Uh, 20 quid, I might be tempted, but not for two pound, especially that two pound probably have to be racked up over the course <laughs> of, you know, a day or two or maybe a week or two, because you wouldn't use, you know, two quids worth of electric run in your dishwasher in one night anyway. And yes, load shedding. Rob Hutchinson, I have to, uh, you know, I feel sorry for the guy. He was supposed to be my guest in the second hour of the show from South Africa. And one thing we covered incessantly there, even between you and I here on Locked and Lo- yes. or on uh, Open Line, is the load shedding uh, in South Africa. Two hours of electricity on, two hours off, every day, all day, every day. He can't connect this morning because he's undergoing load shedding agreements in South Africa. He has no internet. He can't switch on his computer. He can't do anything. So, uh, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. And maybe, just maybe, this is a little taster, uh, getting people used to the idea of willingly doing without their appliances and then maybe coming into the next year, we won't have any option. I think this is a test. I think uh, they want to see how many people willingly are going to try and do this to save themselves a bit of money. Um, You know, and I think if it was £20 a month, I think maybe people might go for it. I think it's £20 for the whole winter. I'm not oh, turning off no. my electricity, no. right, for, and making my life really difficult when my kids want their dinner, right, at exactly that time. Oh, no, we're because I might save us £20 in the whole winter. So I'm hoping this, this demand flexibility service attest goes absolutely miserably because of course the aim if it goes well will be to introduce it um on a wider level everyone has a smart meter everyone has to do it and of course that they'll be looking at more than saying it all for the climate we need load shedding uh we need to we need to protect the planet we all need to save electricity blah 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 so uh my advice to everybody is to ignore it completely don't get a smart meter and uh don't sacrifice uh, uh, enjoying your life for £20 for the winter. Uh, what, what what shall I need to cover now? We've got, oh, yeah, Scottish, uh, a mum in Scottish schools. I actually agree uh, with what she's saying here. Um, this uh, article was in the BBC. Uh, her daughter had been beaten up badly. I think it was on a bus and uh, teenagers had been filming it. And uh, she's saying, you know, something needs to be done now. It is a really serious problem in this country, Rick. I'm, I'm assuming uh, in other places in the Western world as well. Um, and people don't have any punishment. So you've just got spectators who are filming it, putting it all over social media. It makes it worse for the victim. That poor victim not only has to suffer uh, a, a violent attack at the time, they then have to see it all over social media, get sent to them. They don't want to go to school. And there's no real punishment that's happened, you know, happening at the moment. I mean, I don't don't know what the answer is you think now uh there is laws in place about revenge porn there was a time when you know people would uh you know s- uh, they might have sent naked pictures or videos mm-hmm. and people would just you know send them out or put them on social media now that is illegal uh so you know it's not happening so could they do the same with this could they start to say that it's it is essentially illegal and you will be punished if you put any type of violent uh uh you know, assault 
Uh, it, not that it shouldn't be used. So yeah, take it to the police. Yes, use it as evidence. But you know, should possibly it be illegal uh, for you to for people's pleasure uh, and watching and for clicks and likes put up these violent uh, videos, particularly of children getting attacked. There's no deterrent at the minute whatsoever to stop this from happening. Okay, so, you know, what do you do about this? Do you restrict people's uh, freedom of speech? You know, because technically speaking, it's happening in a public place. Sometimes you've got the right to video stuff in a public place and there's no law to stop you uploading video footage on the on the social media. The problem is, okay, there's no fear of retribution. Now, could we prosecute? people for sharing these videos, it's highly unlikely you'll get them to court. But if there was to be something even more possibly horrific for a young person than actually being put in prison is for them to lose access to the internet. So they would be told if you share violent video footage of somebody being assaulted, you get an, an, a, a ban on your internet connectivity for six months or a year. I guarantee you, Natalie, that would actually act as a greater deterrent for most teenagers uh, than actually doing time in prison or a young offender center if they actually couldn't connect to the internet. They couldn't get onto Spotify, Instagram, and all these other things that uh, kids use and adults use too, by the way. And these videos are absolutely horrendous. This uh, story in particular that you brought up, think about this for a minute. First of all, this uh, little girl, Caitlin, uh, she was only 13 years of age. She was badly beat up. She got so fed up with seeing the attack video being shared online repeatedly. She actually handed her own phone back. Now, it's bad enough being assaulted. And it's bad enough being bashed up no matter who you are. But if other people witness that, it's a very humiliating experience. And then imagine it then being shared online and repeatedly shown online for everybody to see and more and more people to see. You just get smaller and smaller and your self-esteem would just get crushed more and more every day. I can't imagine what that would be like as an adult, let alone as a 13-year-old boy or girl or younger in some cases. We're seeing these kids brutalized and savaged. And you know what? The people that are videoing and screaming it and cheering it on uh, they're just as bad as the attackers in my humble opinion you know they're egging yeah, these absolutely. things on but you know it's sadly a reflection of the state of the society that we're in at this moment in time but yeah i think something needs to be done that because it's I, disgusting if you see these I really videos, they're do. horrendous well to me there is a there is a similarity to revenge porn mm. the, 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 <laughs> when you put these videos on social media the victim is having to relive it relive mm-hmm. that and 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 I think that's completely wrong. I mean, I'm a massive, massive advocate here for freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. But I've always said freedom of choice should only be there if you are not harming somebody else. Well, to me, your your freedom of choice to share a violent video of someone being attacked is taken away because you are harming someone else whilst doing that. So uh, to me, I can't see a problem um, uh, moving forward with there being a punishment punishment for doing so because mm. well, where, where's the advantage of it you know i i can see if it has to be for evidence so i'm not saying delete the video i'm not saying you can't take the video i'm saying it's the sharing of it on social media that should have the punishment because of course if you've got taking that video you and you know you might be a friend you might want to take that to the police you might want to show it as evidence that's absolutely fine but why does it need to be shared for entertainment purposes on social media. For me, I think there could be uh, a law or a punishment against that because um, I can't see, can you, I can't even see people on the online chat. What would be the good reason for that happening? Can you think of one? 
No, I, I think about it this way too. Is this not the way people are conditioned uh, with social media these days? Take, for example, you and your family, okay? You've got a couple of boys there. You like to go climbing with them, right? So if you post a video up, if you going climbing with your kids, you know, a few people might say, that's lovely, yeah. Natalie. I'm really happy to see that. It's not going to get anywhere. But if your kids were in that uh, climbing environment yeah. and all of a sudden a, a group of hoodlums came in and beat the crap out of them, it will be seen by millions of people, Natalie. People, all of a sudden, yep. everybody will want to be highlighting what your, happened to your two sons in the climbing wall. Not them climbing up it, but them getting bashed up yeah. on it. Sadly, I think that's what people have been conditioned to do. They're attracted by these disgusting videos and they realize that it gets more clicks, it gets more likes, it gets them more exposure. So to feed their own ego, they'll prepare to show other people's misery. Uh, just for the sake of a few extra clicks on social media. So there's a lot of factors in play here. But yes, yes I believe there has to be consequences for sharing these videos. I mean, what kind of human being are you anyway to stand and video that, and scream an egg on and then want to show the world that it's it's quite sick? Yeah, and I've never ever shared any of these videos on any of my mm -hmm. social media platforms. I don't, I don't agree with them, um, okay. and I think that they're, they're adding to the degradation of society. Mm -hmm. Basically, that's why I think something needs to be done. We shouldn't have to. People shouldn't have to just log on to social media and see all this violence constantly in their face. And people are doing it, like we said, for clicks and like. That's what's even worse. They're doing it for entertainment purposes, for their own validation and approval. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm I'm with um, the mum here and I think, you know, this does need to be looked at and I'm not one for ever restricting things or laws being put in place. But for this one, uh, I think for the for the general good of society and for the victims, it would be a good thing that people actually receive uh, punishment. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes more so we can quickly get this uh, story in as well. I'll put it over to you, uh, Rick, but Reserve Bank Governor uh, Michelle Bullock says Australian households are in a pretty good position despite 13 interest rates um i think she might be a bit out of touch i think she might need to read the room she's uh she's saying oh australians have got it really good um basically house prices are rising um and uh they've a lot lots of people she said they saved a lot of money in covid so they got good buffers so don't worry about it you know i might be rich you might be poor and i'm just going to keep telling you that everything's going to be all right is basically the, the yeah. gist of it this is a classic here. So basically, she said people are. She's a, she's admitting people are very unhappy. Uh, cash flow channel works very quickly in Australia. It's very prominent. Mrs. Bullock said, with reference to the number of borrowers who had transferred from fixed rate loans to higher rate mortgages. So she's saying that people aren't happy, but they're comfortable. I've never been unhappy and comfortable at the same time. Not like I don't know about you, especially when it comes to my finances. So yeah, think about this. 13.13 interest rate hikes on the Aussies over the last couple of years. Prices are going through the roof, but she says it's all good because when everybody was locked down, or some people don't forget we're losing their jobs because of mandates and vaccine mandates, the, the Aussie cops, the Aussie fire brigade, the Aussie police, Aussie nurses, everything. Uh, they're out of house and home, but she says things are better and we should all just suck it up because we've got these little buffers in place of savings that were put together whenever we were uh, sitting at home watching Netflix and staying safe and protecting the NHS and doing all that business. A lot of people weren't that late. A lot of people were going, where the hell's my money coming from now? I can't work or my, my business is closed down. What am I going to do?
I don't think I'd be very happy if I was an Australian. I'd think I, it was very insulting that some exceptionally rich person, what an oxymoron, uh, you're unhappy, but you're comfortable. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think those the two things go together. And uh, it also says, however, markets are pricing a 68% chance of another rate increase to 4.6% by June 2024. So what's even worse is she knows it's going to get worse mm-hmm. and she's trying to downplay it um it's just complete and utter lies and gaslighting uh much like we've seen over the last few years rick yeah the gaslighting uh, is just par for the course now so if you go into yeah. a hospital don't be surprised if you go in with an arm hanging off or missing an arm and they say no you've got two arms there uh, that's the level that it's getting to at the minute and uh, this lady uh, michelle whatever her name is michelle bullock very apt name for her actually she's talking a lot of bullocks uh yep. yeah it's it's not good for the aussie side but but no bullocks or gaslighting on this show we we remain to try and take uh teach uh the truth get it out there and uh we will continue to be advocates of freedom of speech so have a great day i've got to go off and carry on listening to rick at locked and loaded i've been natalie chill this has been open line at tnt radio